Welcome to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study led by Michael Metcalf. Join us live or listen to Outbless Weekly podcast later at outbless.com. Listen as Michael teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in an easy-to-understand format as he is led by the Holy Spirit and brings the Word to life. Listeners learn how God outblessed us all by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay for our sins and how God raised him from the dead three days later. Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior and is actively working in every believer's life to outbless them today. Come and listen to the heart of a servant and be outblessed again. Well, Father God, we come before your mighty throne of grace, Lord, to say thank you, Lord, for being our Lord and our Savior, our God. Lord, we we come to this table, Lord, with our fork and with our knife, ready to eat another meal of your word. So, Father, I pray that you teach us your word again today. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are ready to obey. And, Father, we know that we can do nothing without you, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So, Lord, um, you also said that when two or more are gathered together, that you would be in our midst. And so we welcome you to this call. We welcome you to this place where we are. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us now what it is that you want us to know and to learn. And I pray, God, that it would encourage us, that it would lift us up, that it would draw us closer to you and give us more clear sight about what's going on in the world around us and what our response should be as children of the Most High God. So, Father, I just want to thank you in advance, Lord God, that you would speak to us now your word, your ways, your will, not mine. And so I just want to commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's turn to 2 John chapter 1. And we're going to read about walk, uh, walking according to his commandments. So beginning in verse 1. We read the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And so chapter one begins with this phrase, the elder. An elder, of course, is somebody who has wisdom from spending time in God's word, spending time with God, learning to walk by faith and not by sight. And now, in this case, an overseer of God's house, which is the church, and it's made up of God's children. And so we believe this elder to be John the Apostle, who who is now about... 90 years old in when at the time this was written, but we don't know that to be certain, but that's who we think it is. And it's written to the, the chosen lady and her children. And so who are they? The chosen lady would be under the control of the elder. And so this was likely a local church and its members. It's probably similar, similar to us being called the bride of Christ or children of God. And so it could be a specific woman who's not named because of the great persecution that was going on at the time that this was written. Or it could be a church, and we're not sure which of those things it, it, it applies to. But here it also says, whom I love in truth. And so, and not only, but also all who know the truth. 
And so this is the glue that binds us together. Because of the truth which remains in us, and we will be and we and will be with us forever, that means that they're talking about God's word. And so that's the truth. The truth is God's word. And so now he says um, what we get. We get grace, which is getting what we don't deserve, which is heaven. And then he uses the word mercy, which is not getting what you deserve, which is hell. And, and peace will be with us. Peace from God himself is without any fear of any kind. And from God the Father, who is literally the creator and the utmost authority, and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. And so the Savior, of course, was the firstborn of many brethren. And in truth and love. And so this is truth and it proves God's love for us. That he so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whomsoever would believe in the name of Jesus Christ could get born again and be saved and live forever. And we read in the previous chapter that this life or the eternal life is in his son. And if you have his son, then you have eternal life. If you don't have his son, then you do not have eternal life. And so verse four, I was overjoyed to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received a commandment to do from the father. I like this. I was overjoyed. That means joy overflowing up and over the top and impacting others. And to find some of your children walking in truth. Think about that. If you're looking at children and you found some, that doesn't mean all. And so some uh, some children were found uh, walking in truth. And that means that others were found that were not walking in truth. So some did, some did not. And this is a very important distinction between children who are alive here upon the earth. And so it should lead us to ask the question, which one are we? Are we a child of God that's following after the truth as declared in the Bible? Or are we rejecting what it says or not paying fully attention to what it says? Or maybe only listening to some portion of what it says? And then whenever the Bible contradicts what we want to do or what we want to hear or what we want to think, we just go do our own thing. Well, the Bible teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so if you want to be a wise man or a wise woman today, you should have a healthy level of respect and fear of God and what he thinks. And no matter what it is that comes your way today or this week or next, You should pray and ask God what it is that he wants you to do in every circumstance and make sure that the thing that you try to do is to make him happy, to make him smile, if you would, down upon you and not to make him mad. And so just as we received a commandment to do from the Father, so God settles it, this matter. If he said it, that settles it. Let's do it. And so make sure you walk in truth and not lie to yourself. And to walk in truth requires that you reconsider your walk. You have to ask yourself, what are you doing? What are you saying? And where are you headed? And when you ask those questions and you're really honest with yourself about the answers, you can then ask the real question, which is, are your thoughts and your actions aligned with God's word or not? And the most important thing is that my words and my actions align with God's word. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
And so obedience is a requirement to show to show Jesus that you love him. If you love Jesus, then you need to keep his commandments as much as possible. And so verse five, now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is the love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you are to walk in it. And so we read that he's asking you, he says, now I ask you, lady, again, that word lady, I think it, it applies to the word church. It applies to the bride of Christ. I think he's talking about Christian fellowship, Christians. Not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, so there's nothing new about what we're studying, but the one with which we have had from the beginning. So these commandments were the very same from the very beginning, and they can they can all be summed up, uh, Jesus said, by two commandments can sum up all the rest. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that we love one another, I mean, what does that mean? And this is, this is love. Here's the definition. He said that we walk according to his commandments. That means to be obedient to God's laws. And it's a commandment, just as if you, you have heard from the beginning. And so it's the same law again. And that you and I are, and everyone listening, we're supposed to walk in it. That means to walk uprightly, to be full of truth, to be full of faith, and to be loving and kind to other people. But this, this phrase walk, it also connotes movement or action or direction. And so to walk means to move or move ahead, heading in the right direction with the action and purpose according to knowledge. And so are you moving in the direction that God is leading you based on the things that you're learning from his word? Or are you still trying to head in another direction which may not be inspired by God or blessed by God? It's a decision. And so verse seven, for many deceivers have gone out into the world and those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Wow, this is a strong uh, sentence. He said, many deceivers have gone out into the world. And so notice where they live. They live here in the world and notice what they do. They deceive. That means they're lying to people. They're not telling them the truth. They're intentionally deceiving them to change their outcome. And those who do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh, that means that God came down from heaven and was born in the form of a man. So he was fully God, but he was fully man. And anybody that denies that, he's a deceiver and the antichrist. And so anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and became a man if no one is willing to confess that or the people who are against that, those are the false prophets. Those are the false teachers. Those are the false religious leaders. And instead of following Jesus Christ, those are they that are following the Antichrist. The Antichrist, by the way, doesn't mean against Christ. It means like Christ, but not the same. And so it's deception. There's some truth to the things they say, but in, in the most important parts, it's not true. And so there's only one Lord and Savior whose name is Jesus Christ. There's only 
one Son of God, Jesus Christ, and there's only one name under heaven whereby a man or woman can be saved. And so it's very clear that we all understand that truth, that great truth, and that we observe those that are teaching and those that are not teaching real truth. And so verse 8, watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. And so this term, watch yourself, that means look at yourself, do a little self-introspection and ask what you see. And why should you do that? Why should you have a little self-introspection so that you check it out? You check out the way you're conducting yourself, not just the words that you speak. And so that you do not lose what we've accomplished. And what is that? It's faith in Jesus Christ alone. What we've accomplished is that we've shared the truth with people. That faith in Jesus Christ alone is the way to heaven. And that's the main thing. And we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, the rest of our lives. So he says, but that you may receive a full reward. Well, what's the full reward? It's salvation. It's salvation from sin and salvation from death. It's eternal life. That's the reward for you, believing the right thing, believing in the truth. And that's the reward other people get when you speak the truth in love to them and they believe it, they too get eternal life. And so there's nothing probably more important than you can talk to to another human being on this earth except for the name of Jesus Christ and that he came down from heaven and became a man, paid for our sins on the cross, rose again three days later in victory over sin and over death, and that by putting their faith in his name, they can get born again, they can go to heaven just like us. And even though none of us deserve it, none of us are perfect because we have all fallen short, we have all sinned, everybody on this earth, me included, we're all sinners and we've all fallen short. But because of God's grace, I could be forgiven and I can go to heaven still. And so can you and so can anybody that's listening to this message because this message is written to you. It's God's love letter to you. It's God's love letter to me. Well, let's keep going. Verse nine. If anyone goes too far and does not remain in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. And the one who remains in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so anyone who goes too far, notice it's possible to go too far. There's a place where God draws a line in the sand and says, there's a place that if you cross that line, then you're going to go too far. That means you're not going to make it into heaven. And so I don't know where that line is. And I hope to God I never find it. And I hope to God you never do. I hope instead you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead before you find that line, before it's too late. And if you don't remain in the teaching of Christ, which is relying on anything except for the blood of Jesus and his resurrection, if you don't remain in that place of faith, then you don't have the Son. And you don't have God. You're not saved. You're not going to be going to heaven. And sadly, what that means is that you're on the wide path that leads to destruction. It's a place called hell. It's real. And Jesus spoke more about that than he did heaven. Why did he do that? Because he doesn't want you to go there. And so the one who remains in the teaching, that's the teaching of Jesus Christ 
about the cross and how he shed his blood on that cross and how you could be forgiven for your sins by faith in Christ alone, only that way. That's the only way to get into heaven. The name of Jesus Christ is the only name under heaven whereby a man or woman can be saved. And so if you have that faith, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're going to be saved. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to be forgiven for your sins. And so it says, has both the Father and the Son. If you remain in that place of faith, that's the amazing reward. You get fellowship with the Father and the Son. And man, if the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three in one, are in your heart, you've got nothing to worry about for all eternity, my friends. But listen to the warning that happens in verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home. And do not give him a greeting, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Notice that. We're not to entertain false teachers or people that are preaching a message that there's a way to get into heaven any other way than through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, and we've got to make sure that the spiritual leaders or, quote, spiritual people that we're hanging out with, that they understand that that's the only way to get into heaven. And so if you know somebody or are friends with somebody that's teaching something else, it says don't receive them into your house because they're deceivers. They're actually preventing other people from getting born again and getting saved. It says not only not let them in your house, don't even give them a greeting. In other words, God would rather that you rebuke those false teachers in Jesus' name, not hug them and let them in and pretend like everything's all okay, kumbaya. No, it's not. If they're teaching and preaching a message other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ, they're going to prevent people from getting into heaven. And he said, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Wow. You become a participant in the crimes against God if you entreat, hang out with, or participate with a false teacher. That's pretty strong admonition that we should have nothing to do with that. And therefore, I believe it would be God's will that we would rebuke such a person and remind them and tell them very clearly there's only one way to get into heaven. It's by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior who came down from heaven in the flesh, born of a woman, raised as a man, 100% God, 100% human, and then did exactly what God wanted him to do, tempted in all things, yet sinless, perfect in every way. And so it was the sinless blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on that cross that was the payment sufficient to pay for every sin I've ever committed, every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that's ever been committed by everybody that's ever lived on the earth, past, present, and even future. My friends, the, the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the most precious thing that's ever touched the earth. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can take away your sin. And so it's important that we make that truth clear. Verse 12, Thou I have many things to write to you. I do not want you to I don't want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come with you and speak speak face to face 
so that your joy may be made complete. And verse 13, the children of your chosen sister greet you. And so the writer of this chapter, whom we think may be Paul, he said, even though I I have many more things to write to you, he has a lot more to say about this. He doesn't want to do it with paper and ink. In other words, he doesn't want to take the time to write it down. He doesn't want to just write a letter that you can read and crumple up and throw away. But, which means instead, he said, I hope to come to you and speak face to face. That's always better. Paul wanted to come meet people face to face to look in their eyes. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. And Paul wanted to share the truth of the gospel of the shed blood of Jesus Christ with those people and to look them face to face and maybe hold their hand and pray with them, the sinner's prayer. And so too, we need to make a habit of meeting face to face. He says these two words, so that, this is the reason why, so that your joy may be made complete. So you bring brothers and sisters joy and you increase their faith until they're complete, which means ready to meet the Lord in the air. So we keep reading the Bible, we keep getting together, we keep singing praise songs together, we keep praying for one another, we keep asking God to forgive us, and we keep relying on the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, to get in, and nothing else. And as we do that on a regular basis, joy increases, and their faith increases until they're made complete, again, ready to meet the Lord in the air. Maybe ready to hear the words, come up here. Well, it says this last verse, the children of your chosen sister greet you. This could be a sister church or it could be its members. It could be a real sister who's not named because there was great persecution in the church at this time. I don't know what the true answer is, so I'm not going to declare it dogmatically. But either way, the love and joy that comes from face-to-face meetings where both might encourage each other in the love of God in Christ is what's most important. And so have you met somebody face-to-face lately and encouraged them? Have you shared the love of Christ with them again? Have you told them how he lived this perfect life, he came down from heaven, born of a woman, lived a perfect, sinless life, and then allowed himself to be sacrificed on that cross in a brutal way, the way he was treated, and he suffered and he did it so that we he could pay for our sin. So that every one of us sinners, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and everybody on this earth is a sinner. And the only man who ever walked the face of this earth that was perfect was Jesus Christ. And because of his perfect blood, sinless, when that blood was shed, when that blood hit the earth, that was the most valuable thing that's ever touched the face of the earth, ever was or ever will be. And so it's time for me and maybe some of you today to think about your neighbors, to think about your family, to think about your extended family, maybe even those people who have rejected Christ again and again. It's time to go share the faith of Jesus Christ with them again. And so I pray that you've been encouraged to do that. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your plan. I thank you for this second book of John, chapter one. And I thank you for teaching us the truth about it. And Father, I pray that this message has touched somebody's heart that listened. 
whether they're on the conference bridge now or they listen later, I don't know. But you know, Father, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go out, that this word would go out and not come back void, even as your word declares it won't. And I pray that everybody makes a true, heartfelt commitment to trust in the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and nothing else to get into heaven. Give us wisdom, Father, and give us favor. Write our names in the book of life, Lord, and help guide us, Lord, so that we stay on that narrow path that leads to heaven. Thank you, Father, that you will. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study by Michael Metcalf. If this study helped you, please join us again four days a week at outbless.com. You can listen live or listen later at your convenience. And don't forget to go outbless someone else today by sharing what you have learned. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to study and seek His face.